All right, welcome back. And uh, as we roll to a close at two o'clock, what better way to roll to a close than my favorite music man, if that's not a cue for a movie, Bill Hughes. Hello, George. (laughs) Favorite. That's a word you don't throw around very often. No, but you call it essential. But I, I, the reason I call it favourite is because none of them are. If if some of the ones you come up to me, they're not essential to me. Like so, you know, Mm. I listen because I'm a very patient and and well mannered type of person. Like, in the style of Donald Trump, of course yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you come up. How with does some... it relate to me? How does <laughs> it relate to me? It's all about me. me. Yeah, <laughs> me. So yeah, I've well. got a song from your heyday. Oh, today. Uh, your heyday, uh, early sixties, just when you're having the crack, um, nineteen sixty-four to be precise. Mm. Very interesting year, sixty-four. And a young British band who were part of what was known in America as the British Invasion and who at the time would have been one of the leaders of the British Well, invasion. as long as it's not the Beatles now, we're okay. It's Herman's Hermits. Ah, yeah. And their first, number one, I'm into something good. I'd love this. You like Oh, it? yeah. I like it a lot. Dun, 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 now, yeah. strangely enough, yeah. it was written... By Carol King and Jerry Goffin. Was <laughs> it? And it was an American In the Brill song. Building. In the Brill Building. And the thing was that the British invasion were coming and all of the artists who were coming from Britain wrote their own material. So as a result, they were all coming into America with not just British voices, but British lyrics and British music. Which might be understandable to the Americans. Well, what happened was... Very cross the Mersey. The terror that went through the Brill Building was that they were in fear of obsolescence. And so because all of the Lieber and Stollers and, you know, all the people who were writing the hit songs for everybody, uh, the Neil Sadakas and the Neil Diamonds, everybody was getting a bit worried. So Carole King and Jerry Goffin were only too thrilled when... A song that had been recorded just as a kind of a demo that had a limited release by Earl Jean of the Cookies. Uh, the, Earl Jean of the uh, Cookies. Yeah, yeah, an American group. All so right. they had I Am Into Something Good. But Herman's Hermits heard it, recorded it. It was their first single and bam, it just took off. Went to number one in the UK, topped the charts in America. And... Uh, I, I just, it's a great song. Now, Herman's Herm- Hermits, they were discovered by a guy called Harvey Lisberg. And he was based in, in uh, Manchester. He was a tremendous uh, music figure at now, the time. I, I, this, I'll be pilloried for this, but yeah. it is actually quite an important statement to make. I suspect he was Jewish. He, and they, he was they, very prominently Jewish. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they had such, like if you look at Hollywood, if you look at the music industry in America, mm. if you look at the music industry in Britain, mm. the they, 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 they Jewish uh, uh, influence was huge. Oh yeah, and, and Harvey Lisberg yeah. was kind of a legend because he ah. was discovering talent all the time. Right. And he had a great stable. He heard uh, Herman and the Hermits as they were originally known. He sent a return plane ticket to London <laughs> for Mickey Most to fly up to Bolton in to those days, them. 1964, to hear them. Mickey Most 
was the Midas of the time. You know, whatever he touched turned to gold. And he came up from London and he became the group's record producer. He controlled the band's output. He emphasised non-threatening, clean-cut image. Um, and though the band originally played R&B numbers, he said, no, it's going to be pop music. And so they then went on to have an incredible career because they... There's they, one other one now, and you're going to tell me what it is that I really yeah. liked as well, when you tell me the other hits they had. Well, I'm going to tell you that yeah. they had... They had number ones in America right. with Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, Henry VIII, I Am, I Am. Yeah. Two novelty songs that I cannot stand. Yeah. But then they had hits, and I know the one that you loved. Yeah. There's a kind of hush all over the world. Exactly. You You're bang on. So that, was a, that on. was a huge hit for them yeah. as well. But Hermes Hermes, they, they had uh, four top three hits in the US in 1965. The two number ones I just mentioned and then Can't You Hear My Heartbeat and then uh, Silhouettes. And okay. these were all big hits for them. They then went on to have a whole list of, of things. They they appeared on the Ed Sullivan show, the Dean Martin show, the Jackie Gleason show. Um, and while they were huge in America, Britain kind of went off them. Really? Yeah. And then... America went off them by 1967 and then Britain turned on to them. So <laughs> they were, it, it was, it was wow. a peculiar time. Could I ask you something? Mm, yeah. Uh, what's this fella's name anyway? Okay. I presume his name wasn't Herman. No, his real name was Peter Noon. Uh, was the, was the right. main guy. Peter, Peter Noon. Noon. Yeah. And he had played the part of, and I don't know if you'll remember this, but he was a, a fair clough in Coronation Street. Uh, Coronation Street did not strike my okay. radar. The only time Coronation Street struck my radar, do you remember there was a slut in it, and she <laughs> she was with. Don't the, use the word slut, but I know was, what you mean. She was with her with the father and the son. Do you remember her? Her name was Pat Phoenix. Was it? No, I no? remember Pat Phoenix. Pat Phoenix was a buxom actress. She was, yeah. Buxom. I like buxom. Elsie yeah. um, Tanner was the character yeah, she No, played. but this no. is later on. Oh, later there on. There was a fellow running a factory. Oh, Mike Baldwin. Mike Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. You're he, obviously an expert on coronation. I, there was a period of my life where I had nothing to do, <laughs> so I watched it. But then I got over it and I moved oh, on. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah. I, I watched it while your one was in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Right. But to go back to the bad period in America oh, when yeah. Herman's Hermits were there, they did an unforgivable thing and then they had a hit with it. And it was, they got George Formby's song, Leaning on a Lamppost at the Corner of the Street. And they turned that into a hit as well. But they used to fake did the Mancunian really? accent. They used to play it up in oh, the recording right. to make them seem more cockney, more interesting. Yeah, Coming on the wave of Oliver. Right. You know. Right. Now that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Because this does demonstrate a slight weakness. Now, there are very few weaknesses, but I think I could safely describe that with my love of Greek uh, mythology as your Achilles heel. I mean, not to play that we haven't played a George Formby in our long relationship together. I can't imagine why I would do that. To the <laughs> people of Ireland. I don't know. <laughs> to the ears of Ireland that I hold Gracie so Fields. dear. Gracie Fields. Uh, it's a stretch. Is but it? It's a, a bit, yeah. Norman Wisdom. 
I, listen, you're leaving me. I, I, I can understand his fall down humour, but I can't imagine why I would play a song by Norman. He had a hit for No, I know he had a few. He had a few and a, a, a lonely little boy and yeah. I'm a heartless uh, heart, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I couldn't. All right, let's so, get back to Peter okay. Noon. OK, well, Peter Noon. The reason they got their name, Herman's Hermits, was because uh, the guy who ran the pub that they used to drink in, uh, when they went in, said that Peter Noon, who was Peter Novak originally, uh, but Peter Noon, that he looked like Sherman in Rocky and Bullwinkle. Do you remember Rocky and Bullwinkle, the cartoon? That passed me by as well. That was a cartoon. Okay, so Sherman became Herman and then Herman's Hermits. Ah, That's very clever. But now the big thing was, right, okay. He was the spokesman for the group. He ended up on the cover of Time magazine. You're kidding me. What age was he? The same age as Leo Varadkar, who was on the cover of Time magazine last week. When Herman's Hermits went to number one, Peter Noon was 15. Go away. He was 15. Go away. I tell you. And that's what's he extraordinary. He was not. He was. He was 15 years of age and he was on the cover of Time magazine. And they were number one. number one in the charts in the UK, number three in the charts that The one we're going to listen to now. The one we're going to, the, yes, absolutely. There's it's, a kind of hush. No, I'm into something good. <laughs> I'm into something good. Are we going to listen I'm, to it? No, well, I'm hoping Quilly by mistake is going to play There's a Kind of well, Hush. Well, he can play There's a Kind of Hush as well later on, but I'm into something good. No, I'm into something good is great. I really like Herman and the Herman. I and, always and, say. and a big thing to make, big point to make is that Herman's Hermits are playing all the instruments bar the piano on this because that's something I'll tell you about after we hear the song. Oh, give it a lash, Quilly.
Smashing. Now, a couple of things. Uh, Murren uh, sent me a text. I kissed a girl called Murren first. One day, uh, early girls I kissed when I came Dublin after, like after Cork. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like she, it? I don't know whether it's the same Murren, but like Murren anyway said, uh, I love my sentimental friend. Oh, very good. Yeah. yeah. Then George Formby lived on Westminster Road in Leafy's Fox Rock for a short time. And where are they now? Where are who? The Herman's Hermits. That's what I'm going to tell you about. Oh, now. sorry. Okay, so Peter Noon left the band in 1971. There was a lot of acrimony. Uh, they all fell They're out. They're always easy. They fell out very badly. The band got back together in 1973 mm. without him yeah. to headline a British Invasion tour 10 years sort of after the British oh, yeah. Invasion, which culminated in a standing room only performance at Madison Square Garden. Now, Go away. Standing room only. Madison so, Square in Garden. In Madison Square Garden. And then... Even Eamon Coughlin couldn't fill Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Go on. So then the Irish tenors did. But then uh, they, they got back together in the 80s to be the opening act for the Monkeys reunion tour. The Herm- Herman's yeah. Hermits did. Yeah. So Herman's Hermits really were good. Keith Hop. Hopwood on rhythm guitar and backing vocals, Carl Green on lead guitar and backing vocals, Alan Wrigley on bass, Steve Titterington on drums and Peter Noon on lead vocals. And the the thing about it was... Right, Every, sorry, everybody is saying, why aren't you mentioning No Milk today? No Milk? I, I have a list of songs <laughs> that they, uh, people are People are jumping the gun. All right, but so. here's a great one from Pat in Limerick. He says, is my memory playing tricks? But did Herman's Hermits play at uh, Nixon's daughter's 21st. I have no idea. Confirm or deny? I have no... I did not listen to whatever <laughs> you could say about him. That was a marvellous interpretation of <laughs> Richard Nixon. Go on. Uh, no, I mean, there were, there were so many things that, that happened to them and at that time it was normal practice that musicians that a lot of producers felt that the musicianship among the bands that were appealing to the teeny bops, boppers, that they weren't good enough to record their yeah. instruments. So Mickey Most did mostly record with bands, even the Yardbirds when he was recording. Them, and he wouldn't let Jimmy Page record. Uh, Jimmy Page did record, sorry, on that. But Jimmy Page actually became one of the session music- musicians for Herman's Hermits, as did, as did John Paul Young. But Herman's Hermits were one of the few bands who all played their instruments on all of their number one hits. They also wrote a load of songs and the songs that they wrote ended up being B-sides on songs that went to number one. And I don't know if you remember, but at that time, if you had the B-side on a song, you'd also get the same amount of revenue as if you had the A side on a song. So they would write the B sides for their songs and get the same amount of money as the people who were getting their A sides. So um, they, they, they had, like, there was a lot of stuff that they used, but they did a lot of their recordings using either two or three microphones only in okay. a row. Now, where are they now? They're all dead where and buried. They're, no, they're, they're not. Peter Noon is, is he's married to Mireille Strasser, is her name. They got married in uh, the, on the 5th of November 1968. So next year, 50 years married. 
Uh, they live, yes, he's a naturalized U.S. citizen. Uh, they live in Santa Barbara in California and they have a daughter, Natalie. She's currently a singer songwriter. Um, when they started covering other people's records, like they did Ray Davies of the Kinks. They sang his song Dandy uh, in 1966. And then Graham Gouldman. Uh, this is the song No Milk Today. Yeah. That Graham Goldman went on to be 10cc with Kevin. Uh, you know, he, he was part of all that. that. I uh, don't like the way you keep looking at me and kind of referring to me as if I know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> when you do Kevin Goldman of 10cc. And then George is supposed to nod sagely as if he knows what the heck you're talking about. Well, No Milk Today became a hit for them in late I 1966. Well. I and, remember well. And the B-side was written by Peter Noon and it was called My Reservation's Been Confirmed. <laughs> so the... For the US release of No Milk Today, the American company decided to put out There's a Kind of Hush. And the DJs in the radio stations preferred There's a Kind of Hush to No Milk Today Ah. and started to play that more. And as you know, in those days, radio play contributed to to, uh, getting a... Do you know what I've always regretted, right? What's that? When you were talking about radio playing the 60s, Mm. the DJs used to get a ton of money to play the record. It was called Payola. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a shame that went out of fashion in news talk, like, that nobody has given me a ton of money to talk to you about No Milk Today. Do you know what I mean? No, but they're just giving you a ton of money just to talk to me in general. I mean, that's where the money's going. Well, uh, as you know, tons have now been replaced by kilograms yeah. and things like that. So it's moot, really, what a ton of money is anymore. Yeah, it's probably suppose, not worth yeah. anything. It's just a cubic meter, yeah. Yeah, but, but I have another question for oh, you. What's that? No Gracie Fields, no George Formby. I have another name for you. I have another name for you. I have another name for you. Lonnie Donegan. We have had Lonnie Donegan. Excuse me. Have we? Yeah. What was the yeah, song? Yeah, Man's a Dustman. Oh, did we? Yeah, we did. We did, we did. Does your lipstick... No, not your lipstick. Does, Does your, your chewing, chewing gum lose its flavour on, on the, the bedpost bed overnight. overnight? Yeah. If you're a dirty stopper. But the best one ever. <laughs> the best one ever. And the great Grand Goodly Dam. That's all I can remember the song. Do you remember what the name of it I'm was? incredibly happy that that's all you can remember. And, it sounds the great, and he used to sing like this. He say, and the great Grand Goodly Dam. Will somebody he- tell me what the name of the song is? Just- and the great Grand Goodly Dam. Just hearing George Hook saying Goodly <laughs> in the middle of a Thursday afternoon is enough. Herman's Hermits, just for the record, went on to sell 60 million recordings. 60 million. So it was like they had 14 gold singles, seven gold albums, and twice in their career, Cashbox named them Entertainer of the Year in terms of the gross they were making. Here's something I put to you, right? With your your vast knowledge Mm -hmm. and superior to my own. (laughs) I bet you there'd be very few people, even people of the era, would realise that Herman and the Hermits had as big a career as they had. No. That they sold as many records as they did and clearly made as much money as they did. Because yeah. this thing about the British invasions you talk about, like people are thinking about Jerry and the Pacemakers and, and obviously the Stones. Freddie and, and the, the Dreamers. Dreamers. Freddie and Dreamers. They're thinking about all them. And Herman, and I bet you it'd be really interesting they mightn't come up in conversation talking to a lot of people of the era. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? Well, the thing too is that Peter Noon was very versatile and he had studied drama um, at uh, um, the College, uh, the Manchester School of Music. And he won the Outstanding Young Musician Award when he was only like 13. And that's when he got into Coronation Street. But uh, he, like, he started starring as an actor he did the American version of the Canterville Ghost. He then, Hallmark's Hall of Fame, did a movie of Pinocchio, a live action movie of Pinocchio. And he got the lead role oh, as right. Pinocchio. He also starred in the movies for MGM of Mrs. Brown, You Got a Lovely Daughter, Hold On, and When Boys yeah. Meet No, I have another line from And the Great Columbia <laughs> River. That's the other one. And the Great Columbia River. Dog and with the Great Big Dog with a bone. There should be a song about that. I don't know. Oh. Sometimes I come in here and I'm terrified about what you're going to come out with. <laughs> the, so, uh, the listener <laughs> says, I don't know what the name of the Lonnie Donegan song was. But the record label had a pink colour. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, if you want to see Herman's Hermits today, they're still touring. Are but they? No, they, they, they but are. they're sons and name, daughters. No, the only original member is the drummer, Walt Whit- Whitwam. And he is sitting behind the drum, still banging out. I'm Walter Whitman good. is long dead. No, this guy Walt. <laughs> Walter like, Whitman is long there. He was one of America's great Ma- America's great poets. Barry Whitwam. Uh, Barry Whitwam is out but there But the, the other thing about Lonnie Donegan mm. was uh, It's the Battle of New Orleans. Do you I remember don't that? Know. And the Brit- Let the British keep I wonder has Mr. Culligan found them. there's a kind of hush <laughs> that we can just hush you we'll up. Finish. <laughs> <laughs> we'll finish maybe hushing George up. Can we find a piece of hush or not, Mick? Oh, Mehal, what mm. a star. Like, Mehal Quilligan is not just your ordinary sound engineer. He is a sound engineer par excellence. Hush, whatever you call it. There's a kind of hush.